my idea was that, okay, maybe the fastest guy out there is the, the best cyclist that doesn't use it. And he just, if you're riding the same pace as the guys that are in front of you and you're barely pushing, you get to the run, you have that much more energy to, to really close the last quarter of the, the run with a ton of energy. That was Mark Eves, and this is the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. Episode 23 is what we're bringing you today, and it's a twist on our monthly Ask the YT show. This month, I interviewed two Yogi triathletes about their recent experience at Ironman Louisville. BJ, our head triathlete and Ironman veteran, joins Mark Eves, a ride-in-the-high-vibe type of guy who we met during our stay in Lake Placid. We've kept in touch with Mark, and we're so glad to have him as a part of the tribe. And today we got to welcome in his girlfriend, Kiara, first-time Ironman spectator, to share a few words on what it's like to be on the sidelines at such a massive event. These guys answer my questions in detail about their training plans, nutrition, race day strategy, and tips on navigating moments of intense physical sensation. For any level of athlete, especially those harboring secret dreams of finishing an Ironman someday, these guys share insightful contributions that can help you turn that dream into reality. And speaking of turning dreams into reality, I have to just tell you that today I am coming to you from a 16-foot Airstream Bambi in Boulder, Colorado, where we are living tiny for the next week. I'm estimating that it's about 100 square feet, if that, and we've completely moved in, taking advantage of the smart design and all of the nooks and crannies. For all of you Airstream curious people, it's really as cool as they look. The bed is super comfy, and drinking our morning coffee in the fresh Rocky Mountain air is filling our spirits. For those of you who may be listening for the first time, it was four months ago exactly that we sold our home in Newport, Rhode Island, and moved our entire life, including our Golden Retriever Clark, into our Honda Fit and set out on our Ride the High Vibe tour. It's a cross-country trek to raise awareness that living a more vibrant life is within reach for all. The tour was founded on living in the era of service, and this podcast has risen up as a main vehicle for us to serve, to share stories of people looking, finding, and living their purpose, and bridging the gap between strangers. I air quote that word strangers because at our core, we are brothers and sisters. We are connected deeply through our source of creation. Whatever word, figurehead, or dogma that you want to attach to that concept, we're all fighting the same battle and we're all sharing in similar joys. The Yogi Triathlete podcast and way of life is about starting to round out the sharp corners of life via bringing consciousness into our daily lives, our athletic training, our identities and roles in this world to bring out, let loose and become our most compassionate and true and connected selves, which translates into our most powerful, high performing and on purpose life experiences. And who doesn't want that? As an athlete, human, and recovering type A, without hesitation, my intention is to live all of those things. So that's what we're doing. We're taking a huge risk in life. We're living on the road. We're out of our comfort zone often. And we're en route to the West Coast to set up a new life in a tiny home while bringing the message of health and wellness to as many people as we possibly can along the way. 
and with the support of our amazing sponsors like Zeal Optics, Amrita Bars, Trigger Point Therapy, Ufos, and LifeStraw, our High Vibe mission is given all the more ease. And they want to share the love with you as well. Each month we've been holding giveaways, and this month is no different. All you have to do is leave a review for the podcast on iTunes, the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. Email that to us at yogitriathlete at gmail.com, and then set your intention on winning this month a Life Straw Go bottle. These bottles have been so key for our healthy hydration on this trip. Filling up at dirty truck stop bathrooms doesn't phase us. No way. These bottles filter out 99% of all contaminants. So not only are we drinking clean water no matter the source, we're not contributing to the chaos of discarded plastic bottles. So check out the show notes at yogitriathlete.com for a link to all of the details. And now let's please get on with the show. All right, we're rolling. Sweet. All right, so we have, uh, this is our official, unofficial post-Ironman Louisville, Louisville race recap smackdown. I got two finishers here with me. I got a first-time spectator here. I am a multi-time finisher and spectator. So let's start with who's in the room. So, Beej, we all know you, but tell us what number Iron Man was this for you? And also, what's your strongest discipline? Let's just start with that. So this was Iron Man number eight for me. Uh, first Louisville. Louisville. <laughs> Louisville. Louisville. We were taught how to say it. You, it's like you got to like, you gotta save it kind of lazy, like Louisville, like yeah. you're going to swallow your tongue. I was told, put some, put some marbles in your mouth and Louisville. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of makes me gag. I mean, not Louisville, but saying it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um and and strongest discipline is uh is the run for sure in favorite in favorite yeah, yeah. it's always about getting to yeah the run. let's get to the run yeah yeah all right we got mark eves here awesome yep. we met you up in lake placid at the beginning of our tour and i just love that we were inspired to take this tour because now we have you and kiara in our lives and we wouldn't have had that and we wouldn't have had this podcast and we wouldn't have had all these amazing connections or thank you been able to cheer you on yesterday so what number was it for you this was my third iron man mm-hmm. and my strongest discipline would have had to been the bike. Um, but this race, I just focused on getting to the run. So go easy on the bike. Is that a new thing for you? New thing, and it worked well. Not, yeah. oh, oh, I love Can you say that again, please? <laughs> Can you just say that again? Go easy on the bike, get to the run, and it works well. Nice. So that paid off <laughs> for it. you. Yes. Awesome. And, um, and Kiara is also here, Mark's girlfriend, and this is your first time spectating at an Ironman. And so one word to describe that. Tiring. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you, you seriously might want to consider doing an Ironman because it's a lot easier than spectating. Although yesterday I felt like that was my best... I felt like for me, it was my best spectating experience as far as managing my fatigue. But it might have had something to do with the one loop bike because I came back here. I got a full 45 minute meditation in. I 
took a shower. I took a nap. I made wow. some breakfast. Yeah. So Jones. normally, yeah. Personal day. Yes. Yeah, so spe- <laughs> seriously, spectator-friendly Ironmans aren't all that they're chopped up to be. I would because say probably Arizona would be challenging too with, oh, and Cozumel. Yeah. Those are exhausting. Three loops. In both. Lake Placid too. Lake yeah. Placid. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, it was cool, a cool experience for me. All right. Let's get back to the boys. So what did your beach, let's start with you. What did your training look like leading up to this? Because you were coming off peaking for Ironman Lake Placid and then like having a near death experience <laughs> and coming back from that. What did that look like from Lake Placid until now? And especially being on the road. Yeah, that was, that was extremely challenging. I think I put a lot of effort into the lead up to Placid, even in the off season. The first time, you know, a big weight training program and felt really good and then obviously didn't race. So then I had maybe one or two weeks to recover after Placid. And then I sort of got into a, a, a routine as much as I could on the road. So whereas I was swimming almost every day in open water in Lake Placid, <laughs> it was where can I find a pool and do we have time to get there while you're doing your thing because somebody had to watch Clark. So I think leading into us, it was pretty good. It wasn't ideal, but it, it definitely kept, um, kept me focused on making, you know, quality workouts when I could get them. So even if it was an hour, I would hit the bike for an hour on the trainer. And I did that a lot. So it was pretty good. I got a few long rides in here and there. Um, one in DC, I thought was pretty cool with the DC triathlon club. I got a five-hour ride in there, and that was really cool. But and I just want to interject on that because I remember that morning really clearly. We were spending time with some friends we hadn't seen since Colorado, and we were going to bed that night. And you know, I had asked you, you know, when you were going to do your ride, and and you were kind of you were a little lax about it. And I said, well, you know, you might want to think about getting up and getting in with this tri club and doing it. And I remember when the alarm went off that morning, like. Oh, you did not want to go, and I, I didn't even have any support for you because I was so tired. We, we were tired at that point in the game, and you got your butt out of bed, and you rode from Alexandria into D.C., no, into Georgetown. With met a headlamp. Up- yeah, with a yeah. headlamp, met up with this crew and got like um, got like a century awesome in that day, yeah. um, and m- met a new friend and connection that we're now connected with, and um, and I felt like, you know, they say like your life sometimes uh, boils down to like a few really potent moments, and I feel like as far as training goes, that was a really important day for so many reasons, and if anything, the mental piece. Would you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. It, just to get out of bed. When you're on the road, it's not your bed. You're not really in any, you know, solid training routine. You're just kind of doing it. And yeah. you're going there to meet people you don't know mm-hmm. and ride with people like at different levels. And it's just being okay with that. And, and yeah, it was a, it was a pivotal moment. I agree. It, it was a good experience. Um, those are, those are definitely the good workouts to draw back on too when you're, when you're really hurting mm-hmm. right in the middle of the race. Those are the, the perfect ones to look for. Yeah, for sure. I, and you know, bike is my focus, and I had, and I think it came down to that morning. I was like, I gotta go. Yeah, I gotta go and do it. Yeah. I'm not digging it, but I'm gonna go. Yeah, and then what would you, would you say training on the road is was the most challenging? The swim, the bike, or the run? Like as far as getting all those workouts in? I think the swim is is 
really challenging because you got to find pools that are open to guest pass, you know, guests coming in without a member. Um, I remember we got to Princeton and we were like shut out of pools for a while. But <laughs> Clark is climbing over everyone. Clark's he just wants to be a part too. There he is. Um, Getting a sunny spot. <laughs> so I definitely say the swim. And, you know, the bike a little bit too. It depends on where you are. The roads in roads in some states are not friendly Yeah. to bikers. All right. And then what did your training look like leading up to this? How many months were you training for this? Is this the only Ironman you did this year? Only, yes. Only Ironman I did this year. I have only done a half Ironman in Atlantic City, which was a training race to get here. And that was three weeks ago. And then I did the mini try um, as often as I could in Lake Placid just to go through the motion of transitions and and turn it into some speed work. Um, but yeah, this was the, the, the plan for this season was just to do an end of the season race to give myself the full summer to train for it. Um, and I didn't get as much training in as I would have liked to, but uh, leading up to it, I mean, the one big ride was my, my 100-mile ride. And I did it kind of as a, a tempo ride for the first four hours worth of it. And then when I got to uh, the end of it, it was pretty much just a, a, a slug fest to get all the way back home and got home, opened up the, the front door to let Snowball out. <laughs> Kiara was just coming back from work and she finds me just laying on the porch, petting Snowball <laughs> on my back with her licking my face over my <laughs> I've found BJ like that several times after training, but um, you you remember that one year that you were training and you just you had a few moments where you just come home and cry. Yeah. <laughs> Those ones really hurt. And but. they all that they all add up. Yeah, like there's no wasted um, experience, right? So. It makes me think of, I quote this book all the time, the Bhagavad Gita, which I love this book for athletes. It's an ancient Indian spiritual text, and it's basically the battle of the mind, Hmm. right? The everyday man and the battle of the mind. And a quote in there is like, no effort on this path, on the spiritual path, or no effort on this path to train your mind, to be the master of your own mind is a waste. And I think that that's the same thing with training is that year after year after year, you just, there is no waste. It's not like you start again fresh. Even if you take the winter off and you gain a few pounds, like there is no wasted effort here. And it's just keep remembering that because you will pull on those experiences when you're out there and it gets tough. All right, let's change gears to nutrition. What did your what was your nutrition plan yesterday and how did it go for you? So I so this year I am racing with Team Patriot Multisport and we work with Infinite. And I this is my first year trying it. I've always done on course nutrition, taking um, a bottle and a half of Gatorade per hour and then supplementing with a little bit of water here and there. And then I would actually eat potatoes that I had um, baked or boiled the night before and put some salt on them and put them in a Ziploc bag. And so the combination of that was my my nutrition prior. Then this year, I worked with the, uh, the team at Infinite and they came up with a custom blend that works just for me. And all I had to do was drink just Infinite all day and a little bit of um, water just to get in the correct amount of fluids that um, that I sweat out throughout the day. And it actually worked out really, really well. It's the first time I felt like I was uh, fully prepared for my nutrition and 
never had any major issues like feeling like the stomach sloshing around or um or any nauseous uh, nausea um, i felt pretty good throughout throughout the whole day on, on nutrition actually i was really really pleased with how it how it turned out and how early on in your training did you start to practice your nutrition for race i it pretty much started last it, always really yeah. yeah i mean um after most of the races, Ironman tends to leave behind a lot of Gatorade. Mm -hmm. And so last year I managed to get a few cases of Gatorade after Ironman had left Lake Placid. Mm -hmm. And so I used that throughout the winter. And then as soon as I ran out, um, then it was time to, then I started racing with Patriot and picked up a couple bags of Infinite, started trying it, tweaking a couple things here and there, trying a new formula. And then eventually got it to the point where like just a couple weeks ago, I got it just right. And so now finally have it dialed in and I could just keep kind of re-upping the order and, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's anything over an hour. I'm always practicing my race nutrition. Yeah. That's how we are too. Like anything over an hour and sometimes even for an hour workout, we're doing fasted workouts if it's the mm. first thing in the morning. But I think what you nailed in what you were just describing there is how important it is to start training with your nutrition because you went through a few rounds of fine-tuning it, and it was just until a couple of weeks ago that you really nailed yeah. it down. And so you can't just enter taper and start playing with your nutrition. Like, it is such an important piece because I've had Ironmans where my – I had one Ironman, the first one, where my nutrition was a disaster mm -hmm. area. The only advice I had was eat as much as you can on the bike. So I was just, like, <laughs> chowing, like, bananas. I just mixing, ate – yep. Oh, so. mixing and matching yeah. and just eating. And it was a terrible – it was terrible advice, <laughs> and um, but it was my own fault for not seeking anything else. And after that race, the beauty of that race was like, I'm never going to experience that again. Yeah. I thought I was going to die. Yeah. And the, I've had spot on nutrition ever since, like just not an issue. So speaking of not an issue with your nutrition, PJ, you were saying last night that you had just totally nailed it. So what did your nutrition look like? Well, before that, I just want to, so on the run, were you using Infinite too? I was. Okay. Yeah, I actually... I've previously had issues with my throat closing up in hot races. And so I've tried a million different things and I actually started using a camelback this year. And so I carry water with me on all of my long runs so that I can test out cold water, warm water, um, infinite, plain water, anything, I, and adding food, not adding food. And uh, the, just the camelback with infinite seemed to, to do it. And so I use that for the race, um, even though it's kind of like a, uh, what would you call it? Like a not, not nostalgia, but a uh, a no no to wear a camelback in a in an Ironman, <laughs> but it worked. Yeah, and that and, was and the important part. I think there was a Kona, uh, Kona age grouper last yeah. year who who wore that camelback. Yeah. So which one do you use? I just it is, a lot of people want to be comfortable when they run. They don't want sloshing in the back. And I don't remember the exact name of it. I think it, it's one of the ultra marathoners, okay. but it, it really has minimal pockets. It's like a pocket for a dog leash. And then a two-liter Camelback. Mandatory. Yes. Mandatory, That's pretty much of it. course. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, well, if you can find that online, yeah, we'll, we'll, throw it, we'll throw it in the show sure. notes. Because um, I am working up to my first Ultra. Nice. And, yeah, so I'm going to need some... Um, Something. Yeah. I'm going to need something. <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, right now, I just need to find a pair of shoes that don't hurt. So that's where I'm at. All right, Beach, your nutrition, go. Yeah, so uh, this is the first year. I, I was saying with you, Mark, yeah. I, I use Gatorade and what's on course. It just It's so much easier. And and if Gatorade works for you, yeah. there's oh, no yeah. reason why you need to carry the extra weight on your bike and just mm -hmm. grab what's on course. But 
for the first time, I wanted to just get away from that, just that sugary mouth feeling mm -hmm. a bit. Yeah, we kind of had had it. Yeah. We started to just, we've had it. Phase it out. So yeah. With Team Trigger Point, where we use Scratch Labs, Ooh, um, yeah. which I've Great never product. used before. Great yeah. product. And the whole concept behind it's vegan, which is mm -hmm. good for us. But it's just, it, it's you don't have that powerful sugary content. And it doesn't have a lot of calories, but it has the sodium. It has the, a good mix for you. Mm -hmm. And so I started using that about a month ago. It wasn't, or about a month and a half ago. And realized that uh, it worked really well for me on the bike. Um, Can you talk about the calories involved in that? Yeah, I think it's like 60. Or 80. Or 80. Yeah, it's 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 not that much. Whereas yeah. with Gatorade, you're getting 160, 180, mm -hmm. I think, per bottle yeah. at least. Um, so it's definitely less. So you need to supplement and they have products. But um, my plan is always on the bike. I use uh, Amarita bars, um, which are plant-based bars, really clean, gluten-free, soy-free. And I split them in half and I have one every hour. And I start immediately when I get on the bike out of the swim. And they seem to digest well. I had three full bars yesterday, plus Scratch Labs, and two bananas, two half bananas, just to kind of mix up the taste yeah. in your mouth. But as far as the bike, the only thing yesterday was just, and we talked about it when we met up, like I had to go to the bathroom <laughs> so many times on the bike. Yeah. <laughs> two times I think is, is good, like you're in a good space. Yep. But I think with the cooler weather, I had to go at least five times. And yeah. one of them I had to pull off and just, all right, I gotta get it all out. Yeah. Like peeing on the bike, you get most of it out yeah. and you get a bike again. Well, and you don't have like, the thing I love about um, peeing on the bike in Lake Placid <laughs> is like, you hit a big descent, yeah. you kind of look behind you, nobody's there <laughs> and like, it's perfect. But here where you're not having shorter. a lot of, yeah, it's a little bit more difficult. So. I saw a lot of people out there though peeing on the bike. Yeah. Like, yeah. They were pulling to the side and, and their legs. So I'm getting better at it. <laughs> I mean, these are all, these are all first world problems, know, but right. if anybody has some really good tips about peeing in their pants, we are always open to them, um, especially peeing on the swim, which I cannot do oh, at yeah, all. No 11 years and I still can't do it. You got to do it before the swim. Yeah. Oh, that's all I do. That's all I do. As soon as in I get the wetsuit wet on, yeah. it's yeah. like, yeah. That's why the ramp was wet yesterday. That was not water. Oh my God. It's like spots everywhere. You know, I walked, um, after I saw BJ off, I walked down the line, which by the way, was like so far yes. down. I was walking with a friend of mine and she was like, the sidewalk's all wet. And I'm like, oh my God, that is all pee. Especially when we started getting closer to yeah. like where you turned into the park. I'm like, that is all pee. Yes. So <laughs> might as well just start stepping in it now because you're about to be swimming in it. All right. And then the so, run. Oh yeah, what? The oh, run nutrition. nutrition, yeah. Because that was something new. I think I talked to you about it. I'm like, I'm just going to go and see what's on course. And I may take Coke early. Mm. Yeah, or you I, had kind of planned that. Yeah, I was just going to see how it is. you've and, been playing like with your races, you keep taking it earlier and earlier. Mm -hmm. And who is it? Andreas Raylard started taking it like right Last out of- Last year, he took it right yeah. out of transition. Really? Yeah, right wow. out of transition. And I was like, oh, he may be onto something or you're just gonna totally fail and have, have a sugar <laughs> <Yeah>. crash later on. <laughs> and you're not always guaranteed flat Coke either. You know, mm. sometimes they're opening it right away and that oh my God. The bubbles. Yep. Especially in Cozumel. Yeah. It's like, shh. <laughs> Want some coke? <laughs> so I started out of transition with a half banana, which you always talk about, and I haven't really embraced it, but this time I did, and, yeah. and, got, and the half banana was awesome. Mm. And then at mile three, I just started taking in coke every, I would say, every other aid station, 
drinking Coke and water, Coke and water, and then supplement that every four or five miles with orange slices. Hmm. The biggest thing I did too was when I felt something, I, I pretty much had a good day with the, the gut, but the sodium. So I use Gator Lights. There's these little package from Gatorade, hmm. just like base salt or, okay. or whatever. Um, and I would actually... <laughs> I remember this at Syracuse. I just like shot it down the pure oh, open the package and that, and that was not in a aid station. Yeah. <laughs> so I almost choked myself. <laughs> <laughs> that dry out everything. Oh, it's so bad. It's um, like, it's like a chemical burn in your mouth. It like so immediately. Horrible. It's just like. <laughs> so like this time searing. at mile nine ish, I poured it into a cup of water and slipped that down. Okay. And then at mile 19, I did the same thing. And then mile 22, I gave base salt a shot because that's where they were. Yeah. And put that down a little bit. So I think I, well, I know the nutrition for the day was just spot on. Like I had no issues. I was cool. I was keeping a sponge down the back of my neck. Mm -hmm. um, and actually it was getting cold. Like I was getting a little chilly um, near the end because the shade is out there a little bit more. So yeah, I would say the run is, uh, was pretty good. The nutrition is spot on. All right, cool. And let's keep this train rolling. I want to talk about your overall strategy. What was your overall strategy, BJ, yesterday? And did you uh, did you stick to it? Yeah, I, I think I really wanted to have a strong run. You know, I knew the, the course was flat because we'd been here a few weeks and I'd run it. So I really wanted to have a good run. And in order to do that, the best way I've done that in the past is to um, and Endurance uh, Nation talks about it a lot, is the, the JRA, which is just ride along. Yeah. So he says, just ride along for the first hour or two. And I can't tell you how many people pass me, 70-year-olds. Hmm. And, you know, it worked really well for me a couple of years ago in Ironman, Arizona. And I was like, just get to mile 80. Just ride. Well, we, I rode along for the first hour and a half. And then I started to get into a nice pace. And then mile 80 came along. And that's when I connected with Mark. And it was awesome to, to ride in with him. I think that, that was, was one perfect. of the highlights of the race day. But yeah, the plan went well. The run, you know, the run was the only part where I was going to take it out really slow. The first two miles, three miles. And then I ended up running 730s, which was the goal pace. Yeah, but I felt good and I wanted to just go with it. Like I had a session with meditator Bob, uh, my meditation teacher last week. And he's just, he texted me before the race and he said, run like the wind. <laughs> and so I kept thinking like, run like the wind, run like the wind. And I always talk about going, you know how athletes talk about just going with it. And I was like, I'm just going to run with it and see and if, if it happens to crash or I'll just deal with it then. And I got to mile seven and mile 10 and mile 15 and just kept going. And I was like, all right, I'm pretty steady here. Mile 18, I was like, all right, I'm just going to keep going. And I didn't feel, you know, I, I don't want people to think I was feeling so good. I mean, I was feeling okay. <laughs> you know, it looked like it I hurts. It's an Iron Man. Yeah, let's be hurts. honest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was like I could get on my tips and my toes. I was running and, and just went with it. So it never ended. And so, yeah, I would say strategy went, went really well for me. So you didn't wear a watch yesterday at all. And we talked about it last night. Like you said, wow, I thought I was running faster than I was, which is probably pretty common. And... <laughs> Yeah. So <laughs> you look at the times yep. later on, you're like, yeah. oh, damn. My question to you is, do you feel like, and I think that this really holds you to your, what you say all the time, which is keeping all channels open, right? Like not limiting yourself. And I know you love the freedom of not having a watch, but do you feel like it would have pushed you a little harder yesterday if you saw that you weren't running your goal pace? 
I think so. Yeah, I, I think yeah. We talked about it last night. I think if well, I we had, didn't talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> I think if I had my wa- <laughs> no mics at bed. Here talk. we go. <laughs> pillow talk. <laughs> pillow talk. I Here come all the secrets. I do love the freedom of not having a watch. I look at people in front of me and they're looking at it, and you hear the beeps around you, and yeah. I, I think I think there's a place for it. I truly do, but I do think people get consumed with it and it can be a detriment to the mental game where you're thinking I can't I'm running hard but I'm not running the pace I want to run but in the in the respect of the race yesterday I think uh, uh, the watch on the run uh, you know Garmin timing watch probably would have helped me a little bit because I I I probably could have pushed a little bit more like I was thinking I was running 745s uh, some 40, maybe even 730s at times. But in reality, I was over eight. You were so, like 811, 811, 812. Like and that, you were really steady. And steady is good, but it doesn't show that, you know, I tried to go a little bit more. You know, mm-hmm. I always say that to my athletes. Like when you're running in a race, like just see if you can surge and, and see if you can hold the surge. And if you can't back off. Yeah. But if you can hold the surge, you're running a few seconds faster per mile. Like you can hold that. So I didn't get the chance to do that, and I think a watch probably would have pushed me a little bit. Do you think you'll use one in your next Ironman? Possibly. Mm-hmm. I think you should. <laughs> 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 All right, Mark, what was your strategy? You touched upon it earlier, but so, what yeah. was it going in? Um, previously in races, I am just known for, I'm a strong cyclist. I came from a ski racing background, so I've got ski racer thighs, and those just translate over to fast bike splits. And so I've always just raced the bike and tried to survive the run. And this time it was kind of my, my idea, well, my motto for the season was special delivery. So like when I get to the run, it's like, all right, special delivery, I'm showing up to the run and I'm going to push hard. And so, um, my idea was that, okay, maybe the fastest guy out there is the, the best cyclist that doesn't use it. And he just, if you're riding the same pace as the guys that are in front of you and you're barely pushing. You get to the run, you have that much more energy to, to really close the last quarter of the, the run with a ton of energy. And so it worked out very well. Um, rode through the whole bike. And then right when, uh, when I saw BJ at mile 80, we were going through an aid station. Of course, it's like the worst place to actually see somebody. Because I went by, I was like, I think that's BJ up there. And I'm just cruising along. And I grabbed a water bottle, was drinking a little bit. And then he slowed down to grab something else. So I just went around. and was like, hey, on your left. And... And as I went by, I looked over and I hit the rumble strips in the center of the, uh, <laughs> so the road. He's right. like, whoa, whoa. And I'm like, okay, okay. And the water's just <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> Mark's like, here. Yeah, yeah, like, bring it back over. I'm like, hey, BJ. <laughs> like, nice to see you out here. <laughs> and so we ended up riding the last, uh, the last few miles in. And um, it was really nice having BJ right there uh, for the last uh 20, 10 miles, 10 to 20 miles or so. Cause, um, it was all downhill and coming from Lake Placid and ski racing. I mean, just, I don't touch my brakes on the downhill unless there's something really rough ahead of me. And so I usually just fly on the downhills. And so I, I started to ride away a little bit on the downhills and then we got like five miles later and BJ's right there with me. And I'm like, Oh, perfect. All right. <laughs> Could just hang out with him for a little while and get through the flats. And, and, uh, we were talking about peeing on the bike and there was like a little bit of a downhill section. I like stopped and like tried a different method of like putting one leg down, twisting the bike to the side just to try and like let it all fly out one side and not hit the drive train. <laughs> <laughs> and like I look up and BJ's gone. <laughs> it's like, oh, now I got to work a little bit to go catch up to him again. So, uh, so yeah, then um, 
I, I know for myself, at least the last 10 miles or so were just, I did not have the energy I had when I hit mile 80. I felt amazing at mile 80. Like I had just started the race. And, uh, and then as soon as we hit those last 10 miles, just kind of dragged along. It's like, man, I really want to get off of this thing by now. Mm. And so, uh, got to the run and we actually went through transition pretty much together. Yeah, and, you. I saw yeah. you come out of transition. Yeah. You were like, "BJ's right behind me." Yeah. So exciting! <laughs> and it, it just felt so good to get off the bike. I mean, I just felt like I was flying through transition. I was running so smoothly. Nothing was really cramping up. And uh, got my bags, went through, changed into some into some fresh socks, which was a lifesaver. Um, and just grabbed my Camelback hat, glasses, took off running. And my goal for the run was first lap, just stand up straight straighten your legs out as much as possible and try to use the least amount of muscle as I can. And, uh, just like super fast feet. Yep. Nice and light. Yep. Mm -hmm. Made it through, like felt fine going out, um, out till almost a quarter of the way to the turnaround then started to slow down a little bit, which I think looking at most of the run splits, that's where most mm -hmm. people slowed down. It got a little bit of uphill in there, not much, but just, just enough to slow your pace down a little and then made the turnaround. And BJ had already passed me by then. He was flying and uh, came back back into town. Um, saw Kiara and my parents right before the finish. There's a little one city block that we have to run around where you can either go to the finish. Yeah, right or, by special needs. Yep, mm -hmm. or pick up your special needs bag. It's a great place. It, was, it worked out really well. So I saw them just before I hit special needs, stopped at special needs, changed my socks again because I had been dumping water all over myself and they were drenched. And so all I could think about was just drying out my feet and picked up, I had a, a bag of four scoops of infinite in my special needs, threw that in my little dog leash pocket on my camelback <laughs> and then took off running. And when I came around the other side, they're like, all of them said, wow, you looked a lot better on the other side of that, that, that city block. I'm like, yeah, it's dry socks. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and uh, got to the next aid station. Basically, as I was walking up, just uh, slowly, or I, I slowed my pace a little bit, but took off the camelback, opened it up and, and went up to the lady. I was like, I need a lot of water. And so she took out a pitcher and started filling it up. And I poured in the, the, the powder for the infinite and kind of kept walking, closed it up, put it on my back and took off running. Yeah, it's worth it to take those few extra moments because yes. I feel like you can make those up so easily on the run just to, just for comfort, mm -hmm. like for some kind of comfort, whatever that looks like for you, right? Yeah. And so stopping, slowing down, getting the water in your camelback instead of trying to be really hectic. Because I don't think people understand how much energy they're expending when they're hectic. That is very true. Hectic in transition, hectic trying to, I mean, my least favorite part of being a spectator is watching people get on the bike and get off the bike because it's, it's like so hectic. It like, doesn't have to be. Though. And mm -hmm. people coming out of, this guy was coming out of um, getting on his bike and starting the bike. I mean, he's literally like 25 yards into the bike and it's like, left, I'm on your left. And he's just like freaking out, I'm on your left. And you could just hear him screaming like, um, like Taya Leone in Spanglish, that movie, yes. when she's like the crazy runner woman. She's like, left. And this was this guy. And I was like, dude, like you haven't even hit the first turn like you're still like, <laughs> like you're still kind of in the transition area and it's like whoo like do you that was is gonna spike yes. your heart rate so much and so it's just being really yeah. um 
it's being calm. It's like standing. I always think about this moment when we were in like Placid staying at the Northwoods Inn two years ago and there was like a five alarm fire across the street, <laughs> literally like across the oh, street. Yeah. It's like, it was insane. Yeah. And I remember just seeing like all the energy and everything that was happening, right? So like coming out of transition, everything that's happening in a race and just being calm in that. Yeah. Like just being calm in that and being in charge of your energy. Mm -hmm. It's so important. So stopping and getting like methodically getting the water into your camel back. Like just take those few moments. You can make them up on the run later on. I always try to, in my, another motto for the run was just keep moving. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. You were talking about bad advice before. (laughs) My first Ironman I did. The worst (laughs) advice I'd ever gotten. They said, oh, walk early. Walk early. Yeah. They're like, you're going to be walking later anyway. So like get in some rest early and then you'll be able to run later. (laughs) And that was just terrible, terrible advice. I agree. I agree. And so now it's like this run, it's like, okay, I ran through the first lap and I just wanted to run the whole thing. Oh, totally. And when I got to the second lap, it's like, okay. So I stood up straight, legs are, are, are straight. My feet are starting to hurt. So I tried to soften my, my foot strike a little bit. So my stride lengthened, got a little faster, a little faster. My throat felt fine. It wasn't closing up. And so I just kept going with it. And I kept going faster and faster and faster. And then we hit that, the turnaround coming back into to town. And uh, that, by that point, I was like, okay, well, I, can, I know I can now push myself to the point of like, this is really going to freaking hurt. And so I, I, at that point, I knew was, I was pretty much ready to bury myself into the med tent and then just went for it. And so I, I uh, only walked the aid stations and it really hurt to start to run again but it took maybe 10 to 20 steps and then I was back into my stride and just moving. Yeah, that's a good rhythm. I've, I've done that before too, especially if my feet are really hurting mm-hmm. me. Just give them a little bit of relief and then you just, there's no, there's no debate. You just start running again. Yeah. So there's something to be said about Ironman that the race begins at mile 20. And when you hit that turnaround on the second lap out um, on Southern Parkway, you guys are heading back yeah. in. So... Um, so you were saying you were ready to kind of bury yourself and it was painful. Yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. And so (laughs) what do you do in the moments where the, the, the pain is just really showing up? How do you get through that? The best thing I've done is, um, start to play games with yourself and you start to break it up into smaller segments because if you think of, okay, we're going to go out and run a 140 mile race. That sounds really daunting. But if you think, okay, I'm going to get into the start, get into a rhythm swim to the first turn, see where I'm at time-wise. And then if I have to push it a little harder on the way back, if I'm feeling good, great. Then So you've got a 1,500-yard segment. Then you've got another 1,500-yard segment to the bridges. And then the last, was it 1,500 to 2,000 yards? Uh, maybe a little less. And then so if you break it up into smaller segments, and uh, especially in the races where I've, I've ended up walking half of the run, is I start to play uh, the game where you count telephone poles. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll walk. Walk to run five, walk to run five. And so that it, it just breaking it up into the small victories over the course of the day really helps you keep your emotions in check. So rather than getting all um, worked up about the finish when you're at mile 10 on the run, that's not going to help anything. Right. And so just keeping it, okay, I need to get to the, get to the halfway point, check my nutrition, check how I'm feeling, make adjustments and just having those little little checkpoints along the way to check in with yourself, what hurts, what adjustments do you need to make, and uh, that that definitely um, that definitely helped. But 
when I was actually able to run this one, just the aid stations as a mile marker for me, it was okay, I have to, once I get through that aid station, I have to start running by the last chance trash. Yes. And yeah. I always start, use that. Yes. Like I'm like, okay, by the end of the table, then it's yeah. like, all right, last chance yep. trash. All right. And I'll go you, there. You take, and, and it's like when you get closer and closer to the finish, you start to like take the cup and run and you, you start to kind of shorten that, that walking distance as you get closer and closer to the finish. But yeah, just being able to, the eight stations were pretty close together. Yes, were, it, yeah. it was really nice. And so just having that, that checkpoint to, okay, yeah, it's coming up really quickly. This is great. I'm doing awesome. So you're focusing your mind on kind of what that next, whether it's the last chance trash or, okay, I've got to get to this, the first table of the mm -hmm. next aid station. You're focusing your mind on that as opposed to focusing your mind on the sensation in your body. Absolutely. Is that right? Yep. But you're still feeling it, right? Because I, I mean, I haven't figured out a way to block it out. And I don't think that... Um, blocking it out is effective or um, helpful anyway. I think no. that being able to really immerse yourself in the sensation and just be in it and yeah. welcome it, not fight it. But what you're saying, you're saying kind of playing games, but what you're really doing is um, what we train our athletes to do is like focus your mind in the direction that you want to focus right. it. Right. Most people are just there. It's like a monkey swinging through the jungle and it's going to go to where the greatest <laughs> sensation yeah. is, you know, and that's going to be the pain in your body. Mm -hmm. So I think you can kind of still hold that and, and just let it be what it is. But if you take your mind and you say, OK, I'm focused on that first table of the next aid station, that's all I want to get yep. to. Right. And I think that that really helps it and not getting too far ahead of yeah. yourself. I want to add to that a little bit too. keeping it a positive thought, not necessarily. Yes. like, Oh, you're doing great but a positive action rather than a negative action. So yes. when I, I coach Alpine ski racing in the winter and what I tell the kids um, when they get feedback, they say, oh, don't do this. And so when they come up to the start of the course, I said, okay, what are you focusing on? Well, so-and-so told me not to do this. I said, that, I don't want you focusing on not doing something. I want you focusing on doing the correction. And so it's like, if someone asks you, don't think of a purple elephant, what do you think of? Right. A purple elephant. And so I tell them, okay, if we want to focus on getting your weight on your outside foot rather than lightening up your inside foot or vice versa, I say, I want you to focus on one little thing and make it a positive action. Because if you can focus on the, po on the, the correct action versus what you're doing incorrectly, you're going to fix it. If you're focusing on the negative action, you're still going to be thinking about what you're doing wrong. Right. And that's what you're focused on. And that's negative energy. Right. And that's the last place you want to be when you're competing, training, right. anything, like living. Just you want to stay out of the negative. Mm -hmm. So BJ, I have two questions for you. One is, what's the worst advice you ever received? <laughs> and I want to know about your last 10K and, and what you do in those times where the pain is is intense. Worst advice? I don't. I don't know if I've... I'm sure I've had worse advice, bad advice out there. I feel like, I feel like the worst advice you've ever received is the advice that you've given yourself. Oh yeah. Oh man. I'll tell you when I was having nutrition problems, and uh, I went out and raced an Olympic distance in um, Colorado. I was like, I'm just not going to take anything in on the bike at all, <laughs> <laughs> or the run. That's I'm just a great gonna idea. And race. I had a stellar bike. It was awesome. And then I was out on the run. I think I was in like third or fourth place for the first 
half mile and that was it <laughs> i think i walked the rest you're like your physical body just like dismantled yeah. oh was that yeah was you had a bad. dismantle i've had some bad advice i give myself um but you're the thing that i love about you as a coach as an athlete like you're just so willing to go into it and jump into it you know like and and see and be willing you know we interviewed maggie rush and one of the things that we talked mm. about in a blog post of hers that we just recently shared was that she's willing to fail like i love that like you're willing to go out there and just try something that you know may not seem logical to you at the time maybe right. that seems logical but now you know for sure that that's not a great idea it's definitely not good okay so would yeah. you say that's the worst advice Probably, you were ever yeah, given I'll stick with that one. <laughs> okay all right and um in the last 10k yesterday for you when you hit that turnaround tell, tell me what that looked I, like i wasn't checking i was checking miles but i somehow i was missing mile markers so I was missing like 17 and 18, 16 and 17. I remember specifically, I'm like, when, where are these? So I must be at 19. And when I got to 19, I was thinking like, wow, this is pretty cool. Like I, I feel, I feel okay. Like I'm not dying. And when you make the turnaround and you see mile, tw I saw mile 20 on the side. I'm like, okay, now all I have is a 10 K. How many times have I run a 10 K? And yeah, sure. My legs were like hurting, but it's the mental game as you talked about and it's like just just really embrace it like this doesn't hurt it it hurts but just embrace it like it's just it's just the thought like just keep up with your pace and don't slow down so when you get to those final six miles it's don't slow down mm -hmm. whatever you do and on the run i really target getting to that next mile so 20 to 21 21 to 22 and I just keep knocking it down. On the bike, it's more 10-mile blocks. Like, you get to the, the sign that says 90 or the sign that says 100. Although, with missing those markers, you, you may, your mind may play games with you. Like, have I gone 100 miles yet? <laughs> but I, I think I got to mile 23, wherever that little outback is on Central. And they play that music. Yeah. It was like heavy metal. The Red Bull truck. Yes. That's <laughs> the coolest was. Red Bull truck I've ever seen. It was awesome. <laughs> when I got there, I was just so, I was so, I don't know, energized. And you only have a 5K to go pretty much after yeah. that. And you're heading, it's a net downhill back into town. So it was pretty awesome. I just kept targeting every mile. And then I think in that last mile, when I got to 25, I just kept pushing. Well, I thought what I, yeah. I thought what was pushing, and I could feel my hamstrings starting to tighten up because as you start to push, you things, I feel like your body starts to tighten up all over, and I was like, I just don't want to, you know, get close to the finish and have like you pull up because your hammies are <laughs> screaming at you, and you like end up walking in. So, um, yeah, I was very lucky, and and you know, you just ride the emotion of the crowd too. I felt myself reaching out to the crowd and the volunteers and. Because they're out there shouting for you and sometimes you're just like all focused, but I was really like giving them high fives. And um, there was one moment, I think on that, the first turn on Central Ave by that Red Bull truck and they were playing, uh, I want to say, who is it? Down with the Sickness, whoever that band is. <laughs> yeah. It might be Disturbed. And it was just getting me all fired up and I was like giving the guy high fives and they were getting all fired up <laughs> because they were getting some fan, uh, some athlete engagement. And that's been my whole thing is like, Go out there and have fun and, and embrace the the crowd and the volunteers that are out there because, you know, they're putting in a long day too. And, you know, a little bit of acknowledgement to them is, is mm -hmm. pretty awesome. And then, you know, 
because your name is on your tag, like they're calling out your name, like Mark or BJ. And, and actually you do double takes sometimes and you're like, do I know you? Family members? <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's always cool. But yeah, so the, I had a really good final 10K. I felt good and, and I felt good crossing the finish line and afterwards. And I feel good today. All right. Okay. So I'm going to give you some like rapid fire questions here. What were the moments like for you, BJ, prior, right before the swim start? What were those moments like? Um, uh, I would say I, I was excited. I was really excited to be there. Um, I wasn't nervous at all. It was just, I want to get in the water. I want to get this started. I have no doubt that, you know, the day is going to be great. And I just, I just want to get started. That was pretty much it. What about you, Mark? Pretty much the same feeling. Uh, I was just ready to go. And uh, it was a little bit of laughter and kind of funny, actually, because as we were walking down the ramp, there was probably about five guys around me that all started peeing in their wetsuits. It's like one of them was like, man, I really got to pee. And the other was like, I just did. Like, yeah, I, me too. I'm currently going. <laughs> it's like, that's not water. <laughs> and then the other guy goes, wow, that was liberating. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's just a little bit of laughter to kind of knock the, the nervousness off of some people. But I was I, I've done so many of the, the swims that I. I'm strong enough in the water. I'm not a very fast swimmer, but I'm just strong to know that if I get swam over, it's not a big deal. And uh, it's like you just kind of strong arms and create your own space. Um, So, yeah, just really excited and a little bit of just enjoying it. Yeah, I remember like looking around at my first Ironman, although I was really excited. I remember that first Ironman, like I was dancing at the start and we were just, you and I were right next to each other. It was in Coeur d'Alene. It was really awesome. The water temperature was ridiculously cold. And, and, um, but I remember thinking like, I can't wait to get to that phase where you just, uh, I guess you kind of know what to expect. Like mm-hmm. you might get punched in the face. You might get kicked. You might get swam over and it's okay because it's happened before and you right. know how to navigate it and um i kind of feel like that's where i'm at now although you still get those like pre-race like excitement it's just energy it really is fun and just to kind of laugh a little bit and lighten up the the air because it can be uh it can be really intense and you never know when there's a first timer right next to you and so kiara actually i have a question for you uh same question like those moments before the swim start like i remember bj's first iron man and seeing him, and this is back when there was like the mass starts and seeing him and just being like, my God, like the person I love is just in the sea of people. Like, <laughs> oh my God, is it going to be okay? And so I don't know, what were those moments like for you? Because it was your first Ironman experience and Mark's out there and and like you just have to let go and, and trust that everything's going to be okay, right? Yeah, I trust him enough to <laughs> not get beat up too much and... No, he has those same feelings that he's not going to come out with a bloody eye or something. <laughs> like so. he's kind of holding down the confidence to keep mm-hmm. you like that kept you pretty calm. Yeah. But what was like seeing everyone go in there and the gun go off and the music's playing and all of a sudden like we went from standing in line. We were in line for like an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that, no. but <laughs> see, it was fine. It was a practice and accept in welcoming all things. Um when all that energy starts to go, what were you feeling? Well, I was actually volunteering as a wetsuit peeler. Oh, stripper, my God. So I had awesome. to go. And after I 
left him at the start. I had to sprint back to the um, swim exit. So I was pretty excited. Oh just my feeling God. everybody's energy and the nervousness as well as the excitement. And so it was fun leaving him. How was the stripping? It was a bit dirty, <laughs> but fun. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, you were sprayed with a lot of things, oh, the Ohio yeah. River and mm-hmm. everything that's in it. And I don't yes. know about your wetsuit, but when BJ's, I didn't even go near it because when I heard the the moans of how disgusting his wetsuit smelled this morning. Like, it's in the shower right now. It got its own shower. Mine's still in the bag. Oh, well, you'll have to let us know how bad it is when you open it up. Did you get to take marks? I did. Oh, Oh, yay. She was the very first wetsuit peeler as as we came out of the water. So I'm, like, still getting my wetsuit off of my wrist and struggling with it. I come up to her, I'm like, "Ah, I'm not ready yet. (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome. All right, um... On the bike, this is such a great place to, I think, learn about what not to do. So what did you see other people doing out there that you would not recommend wow. in your yeah. own racing? <laughs> BJ, you, you start first. Wow, I mean, I would say, because I did take it easy out of transition, there were people hammering the first part of the bike. And I I talked to a few people afterwards and, and everyone, every one of them said that they had taken out the the bike way too hard. Um, you got to ease into it and it's two loops, you know, and I think people are feeling good because they're tapered and they're caught up in the energy of the race and, and they just go and, and hammer. And some people can, you know, I, I don't want to discount people who are fit and, mm-hmm. and have that ability, but I would say that's the minority. I think the majority of people definitely should bike under what they think they should for that first loop. But the other thing was, um, so much stuff taped to people's bikes, like nutrition and fuel when um, there were a lot of aid stations out there. Yes. Plenty of opportunities to grab, grab fuel. And, and I didn't see anything particular that was unique. You know, they were gels and stuff. But yeah, I think, I think people can lighten their load a little bit. Cool. What about you, Mark? What did you see out there? First thing that sticks out in my mind was I went past a lady going up one of the steeper hills that uh, didn't shift down into her easier gears and didn't stand up to push through it. Oh, so she was just wrecking her legs. Yes. And she was going so slow that she was wobbling back and forth and almost ran into people passing her. Oh, no. And so it was just kind of like basic bike handling skills, um, staying to the right because Mm. even if you're... Most of these races are set up when you, if you have a full lane, you can fit three people wide on there. So if you have somebody flying by on the left, they're pretty much on the yellow line. And then you have someone that's making a meandering pass and then the slow on the right. And then you get those people that just stick out on the left side. And it's, like, it's on the highway too, and it drives me nuts driving around in the highways. But, um, but yeah, staying to the right is a huge thing. It, and uh, the best place to actually ride from what I've heard is actually in the right tire track of any cars because that's the flattest and smoothest section of pavement. So it's actually the fastest and it's also the safest place for you to be if someone's going to come flying by you. So what advice would you have given that woman? How would you have, if you were her coach, what would you have said to her in that moment to get her up that hill? Spin up the hills. You want a high cadence going (laughs) up the hills. Um, Yeah. And there, it depends on the hill, but like coming from Lake Placid, they're all pretty long 
drawn out climbs. So you just shift up really early and just keep your cadence going as early as possible. But some of these hills here where I called them momentum hills, where you can kind of keep a hard gear and stand and push over it for 10 feet or so. And then your momentum carries you over the top so that you can, you can make it down the other side. But, um, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, I see so many people and especially people training at Lake Placid. Mm -hmm. I see them come up there and they're just pushing really, really hard gears up the hill. Get a, get a big cassette in the back and just spin your way all the way up the mm -hmm. hill. It's the best thing they could do. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you lose a little bit on the <clears throat> other end. Like I've got my gearing that I can I can spin so easily mm -hmm. up like those big climbs in Placid, but I lose a little bit on the other end and then being so light and having a tiny bike, I lose a little bit on the end, but I, I get off that bike and I feel like I've done nothing. Yeah. And I think that that's the most important thing and that's, that's how you save your run. Like Absolutely. if we're talking about Ironman. All right, so I want you to share some advice. Let's say um, a veteran, somebody who's done Ironman before, right? Whether it doesn't matter how many they've done and they want to get faster. What would you say to them? Hmm. What would be a good way? I think it's all very personal because I've tried a bunch of different training styles where it, I've tried hard intensity, hard intensity, low volume, and then this year I tried low vol or low intensity, high volume. And I just found that <clears throat> having doing a lot of miles at a low intensity didn't work very well for me personally, but it's a tried and true method for 90% of the triathletes out there. But try to just trying something like changing one little variable in your training and seeing if it works. If it doesn't, you go back to what you did. If you get faster, you keep it. Right. That's probably the, the and not changing thing a whole bunch of things. It's just kind of like with your diet. If something's not not jiving with your diet, mm -hmm. like just change just change something or or remove dairy and see if that makes a difference. Oh yeah. Um, BJ, what do you have for a veteran like myself who wants to get faster? <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, uh, I would say um, the biggest place you can make gains is on the run. So, I think. You need to to get fit on the run and focus on that for. I would even say focus on that for a full season. Uh, swim, your gains are going to be minimal. Um, bike, you can you can make some big gains on the bike, and the only way you can run to your potential is if you're fit on the bike. But um, from experience, and, and I know this is very personal to each athlete, but when I focused on a, a season or two of just building my run, that really made. It really made an impact and the other two, you know, suffer a little bit, but you can begin to work on them. And, and actually that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. And that made, that did actually make a huge difference for you. That's when you really started running like 330 type of Ironman marathons is when you really focused mm -hmm. on that, but you did sacrifice a little bit on the bike. And so now you're trying to find that balance trying to find again. Yep. Yeah. All right. So one thing I love about Ironman is that it brings out like the best in the human spirit. Right. And just crazy things that you see out there, mm -hmm. people in costumes, like I, like just the stuff that I was seeing was really funny. But what was Risque. the funniest? Yeah, what was the funniest <laughs> thing you saw out there? Oh, there was that. There was that guy when you exited the the community thing, and yeah. the guy was like in a in a, a banana hammock. Or in the smug bungee smuggler, and yep. he was like honk if you're horny. Yes, that <laughs> like crazy air, and it was just. It was just so weird. Like, it was just so odd to be placed there. Um, that was pretty funny. But what was what? What else was weird? Just one thing that was weird. After that, 
and we had talked about it a little bit was when we got on that road, there were cars, like the police were letting cars yeah. on that road. So in the, the neighborhoods? Yes. Right out of the neighborhood to the stretch where 42 is, it was bikes oh, yeah. and cars. Oh, that's tight there And there's too. no shoulder. No. And so, you know, there were a lot of people that, there were some cyclists that were going into the into the oncoming traffic yeah. and getting around. And I was just, I just don't want any part of that. I knew this stretch was short and I just, it just was not worth it to risk, okay. risk going around. So that was but. like the least funniest thing. Yeah, that wasn't funny, but I wanted <laughs> yeah. to make a point. Like, it was just crazy that it yeah. was happening. What about you, Mark? What did you see out there that just kind of, like, lightened your spirit and was like, oh, my God, I love people. They're so crazy. I have two. So one of them, I told all of my friends and my family members that if I'm walking or not doing well, you need to heckle me and really, like, get on my back and be like, come on, suck it up. Let's go. And so my mom told, I think it was probably the same group, the guy had, like, a... a red plaid kilt on with a shoulder oh, I saw, strap. Oh, I saw him last night. Yeah. And he was like shirtless, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah, of course. And, uh, all day too. Yeah. He had to have been freezing. <laughs> Even to the finish. Yeah. He was there at like one in the morning yeah. with his kilt on and like a beret uh, and no shirt. He must have had enough beer out there that he just didn't even notice it anymore. <laughs> but yeah, my mom went up to him and that's where uh, my family members were. And, and uh, she goes, yeah. So my son said to heckle him when he comes by. So I want you to chase him up the hill when he comes. She's like, oh, well, can you hang out here and point him out to us? So sure enough, when I went by, I had like four guys on the side of me. Come on, let's go, let's go. It's Tour de France time. <laughs> oh, I was just cracking up. And, uh, and then another cool one, um, which I'm a part of the, the Ironman Louisville Facebook group on, on Facebook. And uh, coming back out of town when you're going back out for your second loop there's a little girl in a wheelchair sitting on the side of the road giving everybody high fives mm. that was really cool yeah Aww. she was so uplifting she's really really sweet um and then uh there were actually there were a couple a, a group of like five or six really really young kids about halfway out in the run too that were like going out into the road making sure they got a high five when someone went by that's so awesome <laughs> yeah. i love those I love kids it, yeah there was like a time when i was racing where i remember like when i first started racing i just did it because i loved it so much and i would thank the volunteers and i'd high five the kids and i would like yell and you know expend energy yes that way and then i was like you know, living in Boulder and everybody was like eight times as fast as I was. And I was like, okay, now I have to be more serious. Like, and I wasn't thanking volunteers and I wasn't high-fiving kids. And I did that for like a couple seasons and I always just felt awful. And my times were still the same. Like, and so I think it's like, for me, nobody's paying me to do this. And I do yeah. love the joy of connecting with people. And so it's, it, it, Take advantage of it because there's a lot of energy to gain, even if you're expending mm -hmm. some energy to, to make that contact. But those little kids are just awesome and they, they have such fresh energy, you know, and young energy. And it's like, there's a transfer there, right? And so soak it up. Yes. All right. Did you have any moments when, um, like it was like emotional? There were times where when I actually managed to control my breathing, like control my throat closing up. And, and I got out to, it was about halfway through and I started to think, okay, this is like, I've never been able to do this before. This is awesome. And so it's like, I'm going to have an awesome finish. And all of a sudden it, my throat just goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, calm down, calm down, calm down. <laughs> like I'm going to cry yeah. now. Yep. So it's like, anytime I thought about the finish, it's like, okay, bring it back in, 
keep it focused on what you're doing right now. What, what can I control at this moment? And so pretty much any time I thought about the finish or like going past my family members, um, those were kind of the, the parts that got me choked up, but I was very quick to bring it back to focus on myself at that point. There's a gift in there for you to like, that's like teaching you how to just really be neutral, Yeah, which is such a, a big skill. What about you, Beach? So mine was uh, at that central lab at the Red Bull truck, like the music. I think it might've been both times and I don't thinking of it. And let me say that this whole training leading up to Louisville, I didn't train with any music. Like I didn't run with any music. I didn't really have any on the bike and obviously none on the swim, but I sort of detach from music now that I think about it. Um, but it's such an emotional part of your training because you can definitely push yourself and, and ride that vibe through some hard sessions. And so when I was passing that Red Bull truck, the first time was a disturbed, I think, song. And yeah. I was all like juiced up and I'm running around the corner and the volunteer there was getting fired up too. And, and as, I, as soon as I passed them, I kind of got like all emotional. I started to think about you and I started to think about Clark and like this whole journey we're on. And oh, I was like so close to crying, <laughs> but then I kept going. And then I think on the second loop, I can't remember what song was playing, but anyway, that, that song, that, moment too just you start to i don't know if it's attaching to the music or it just it stirs some things up inside you and and you know you're you're already in an emotional state like you're taxing your body you're taxing your mind so yeah i definitely those two those two areas i was really i was really close to to letting it tear up and describe what the finish line feels like finish line is so awesome the more and more i do these the more I embrace that finishing shoot. And I got, I just wanted to be running fast and, and engaging with the crowd. And I was slapping as many high fives as I could. And you're going down the shoot and when you're the only one, it's pretty, it's pretty yeah. cool. And you're just waiting to hear them call your name. And and um, I did one of those fist windups, which I've never done, but I just, <laughs> like, just wind up. just like, whoa. And, oh, uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was that guy. That's awesome. <laughs> but, uh, I don't really put the arms over the head. I used to. But I just, you were I getting just, the crowd. We we came home and you showed me your finish and you were getting the crowd riled yeah, up. Well, and I've never seen you do that before. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, it was. I've really, you know, maybe reconnected with my true self in the past year or so. Um, and it was just awesome. You just ride that emotion. And you yeah. get to that finish and, and it's, it's, it's so awesome. It's just, I don't know what else to say. All right. All right. Well, we're going to be wrapping it up here in just a few moments. Describe your finish line. What's the finish like? This one, really painful. Really? This one, I, yeah. So it's not that, like, everything falls away. <laughs> no, this, this is like everything falls to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> this one, I've had the, well, the last two races that I've done, the, the, so in Lake Placid last year, I took third place in my age group by two seconds. Oh, my gosh. And because it was a rolling start, the guy that was two seconds behind me actually finished five minutes behind me but our overall times matched up to two seconds apart and so um then when i raced it i raced in hawaii last year and that one i just soaked it up i mean it, i wasn't really having a great race and so i kind of i came down a lee drive and that was the longest finish shoot i have ever seen <laughs> the the people start three three people deep like a quarter of a mile half mile i don't even know how long a lee drive is but it, it's a long way and mm. everybody's cheering my sister had a pizza a full pizza out in front of me as i'm running through <laughs> <laughs> she's like come and get it that one was really awesome just high-fiving everybody just 
and uh, just basically going through and absolutely soaking that one up. This one um, here in Louisville, I saw my dad just before the finish shoot and all I could muster was mad tent, <laughs> mad tent. <laughs> and, and I think I saw Kiara on the other side out of the corner of my eye, but I just pushed and pushed and pushed because I didn't want to have another person finish two seconds behind me. And so I hit the finish line and just let it go and ro pretty much rolled, collapsed and rolled over the, the last. Oh, my God. The, over the, once I saw myself pass the timing, mat, I was like, OK, you're done. <laughs> and then it took a couple of volunteers to pick me up and, and scoop me into a wheelchair. And um, Kiara was saying my mom was upstairs taking photos and actually beat Kiara down to the athlete exit. <laughs> She's like, she must have jumped and caught, ran down to catch you. But yeah, it, this one. This one just hurt, and I, I knew it was going to hurt for a long time. And so I pretty much was like, all right, I'm going to suck it up and just make it to the tent. And like, Dang. if I need IV, an IV or whatever, they're going to give it to me there. I just need to get myself to the timing mat at the finish, and then I'm done. <laughs> and isn't that what keeps bringing us back, is that they're all so different and that you can't compare, even if you have your best time. Like, yeah. you could have another PR. You could never see that time ever again. Like, it's just, it's all different, and it's all a unique experience. So what's next for you guys? Final question. Boy. Um, Besides finding a home yeah, and moving we, out of our car. We need to move out, get out of the state, and keep moving west. <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, I've got a tentative plan for next year. I, I think I want to do, I want to do some more racing. Obviously, this is my first race of the season this year. <laughs> Maybe the only race um, besides one mini try yeah. that I got to participate in with Mark. But I think I'm going to do some halves next year when we get to California, and um, possibly the Vine Man half and the Vine Man full, um, and keep keep putting a full on there. But yeah, I just want to race more and um, get stronger. Yeah, I'm oh. gonna. I'm pretty much just gonna be focusing on running next year. Just trying to improve my run as much as possible, um, and lose the ski racer thighs so I can run easier. <laughs> yeah, you gotta lean out those yes. monsters. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, um, we'll see what I have in store for next year. But as of right now, it's uh, the half Ironman in Lake Placid, and oh, then we'll see so awesome. what else what else gets added to the list. But probably a lot of halves and we'll see how this winter goes and then if i need to sign up for a full then i'll make the decision to do it cool so awesome Kara, yeah. were you inspired yesterday <laughs> do you think there's an iron man in your future definitely not a full one yeah <laughs> watch out for the definitely not <laughs> anything not is possible <laughs> not anytime soon no awesome well thank you guys for coming in here and having this little round table i think it's going to help people a lot you've got shared some good advice from your experience and yeah just recover well keep it up keep moving Keep getting faster, keep getting stronger, and keep being a great example for other people. Thank you for having us. That's it. Mark and Beach sharing their Ironman wisdom. Are you intrigued? Inspired? Wanting more? Well, then just go sign up for one and make it a reality. Listen, I know many people whose first triathlon was an Ironman. Crazy? Maybe. Doable? No question. Anything is possible. But I have to say, I've completed four of these 140.6 distances, and never have I done this without a coach. If the Yogi Triathlete podcast is speaking to you, if you are digging our language and the message of high-vibe performance is resonating with you, then just know we're building our 2017 team right now. We already have folks signed up for off-season training to stay strong during the winter months so that reaching their goals next season is not such a steep climb. 
Consistency is everything. So reach out to us and let us know what you have your sights set on. 5K, ultra marathon, sprint distance, Ironman. There's no vision that's too small or too big. We meet you where you're at and we don't just help you train your body. This is key. We help you train your mind. Every Yogi Triathlete athlete gets a monthly one-on-one session with me, Head Yogi, via Skype, so that we can hone in, fine-tune, and amp up your mental durability. Most people live their entire lives ruled by their minds, flowing in and out of doubt, fear, anxiety, and other vibe-sucking energies. Because I lived that way for a very long time and then found the other side, I can give you the tools to power up and live and race in a flow state, the place where all of the most amazing athletic performances occur and the burden of work falls away. But just like your physical training, it's up to you to execute the plan. We're here to support you and share all of our experience, knowledge, and intelligence on reaching your goals with ease. Namaste. Be in the moment. Do epic things in your life and ride the high vibe.